Mind by nature is radiant and pure, the Buddha said. It is shining. It is because of visiting forces known as defilements that we suffer. It is because of visiting forces that visit the mind that we suffer. You believe that? All of the suffering, whatever suffering you've experienced in your life, or even today, frustration, disappointment, it's because of a force visiting the mind and not being seen. If we can hear this and take the Buddha's word for it or suspend our doubt, then we would want to know, well, how should we understand these defilements? How should we be aware of them? What can we learn about them? And is there any end to them? Because, as Sayadaw Tejaniya says, it is not you who removes the defilements. Wisdom does that job. It's not up to us to figure out how to get rid of or put aside or not be tormented by the, the defilements. But it's through the development of wisdom that we come to understand things the way they are. And that wisdom is what removes temporarily and uproots eventually these defilements as a recourse of action. Now, I have been questioned why Sayadaw titled his book, Don't Look Down on the Defilements, They'll Laugh at You. I mean, you got to admit, that's a little bit unique. And why I use the word defilement. You know, because it has kind of like an Old Testament feel to it, you know, like, this is really bad, you know. And, in fact, when you, when you think of, you know, how much suffering, non-happiness we've experienced in our life, and if you can believe it's caused by defilement, they're, they're, they're pretty bad. We could be more polite. We could call them obstructions, hindrances, obstacles, impediments, but they're defilements in that they defile the mind and the mind defiled is not happy. So what is the right view of defilements? How should we understand them as we approach this practice and inevitably are going to come into contact with defilement? How should we understand them? Well, the defilements are habitual, reactive states of mind, usually unconscious, that arise due to some pleasant or unpleasant sense, sense contact. They manifest in thoughts, feelings, moods, actions, beliefs, assumptions. They're always rooted in some form of delusion, not seeing things clearly, Sometimes accompanied by attachment, other times accompanied by aversion. When we say that these defilements kind of torment the mind, they're always accompanied by restlessness. Now, restlessness has its roots in aimless thinking. 
When we talk about restlessness, we might feel restless in the body, but in the mind, the restless mind is the mind that is just thinking randomly, scatteredly, just kind of going on and on and on. And all the defilements are accompanied by that kind of ruminating, reflective, or aimless thinking. They're also all accompanied by some form of delusion. Now, delusion or ignorance um, kind of appears in a couple of different ways. Ignorance, we'll say, for purposes of making a distinction, ignorance is not knowing. And we have all experienced a lot of that today. When the mind wanders off in a train of thought, restlessness, usually scheming, strategizing, you know, about something, and we're completely unaware of it. We don't know we're thinking, we don't know we're sitting, we don't know we're a human being, we don't know our name, we don't know anything. We're completely ignorant of what is going on in the mind at that time. And you may notice, or you may have noticed, that when the mind wanders off like that, it doesn't usually wander to pleasant places. I mean, sometimes it's off in some fantasy la-la land, often, or it's just wandering around in this aimless... Well, we were talking about this uh, talk earlier tonight over dinner, and (laughs) the comment came up that maybe we should title this talk Highways to Hell. (laughs) Because... All of this kind of thinking just leads us into a hole of suffering. But sometimes we're not that ignorant. We're not that lost in thought. Sometimes we're aware that we're thinking. We're aware that we're ruminating. We're aware that we're caught in some proliferating story or narrative about my life, blah, 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 doesn't work because, needs something because, blah, blah, blah. And then we'd say that that kind of thinking is accompanied by delusion. Not that we're completely ignorant of what's going on, but we're not understanding what's going on correctly. So sometimes we're unaware, and sometimes we're aware, but misunderstanding. In either case, it leads to this kind of rambling, restless thinking that often almost always, is accompanied by some uh, defilement, some attachment, some aversion, some just restlessness, doubt, wrong views of one sort or another. When this restlessness and, and delusion or ignorance is accompanied by attachment, we see it manifest in forms of desire, uh, craving, striving, uh, yearning, uh, seeking, getting identified with different ideas about ourselves. When it's accompanied by aversion, there are different gradients of aversion, the most violent being rage, anger, um, and striking out at the object of our aversion. There's internalized form of aversion, which manifests as depression, fear, um, 
frustration, disappointment, self-pity. And then there's this just milder aversion, which is just pushing away from unpleasant experience in the form of boredom, impatience, irritation, sometimes fear, disdain, complaining, whinging, whining. Just kind of like, just not wanting to deal with something and pushing it away. And some of these, they're so common, they're so frequent, we're so habituated to them, we just think it's kind of justified. You know, we're kind of justified in being that way. And we overlook the fact that we're not happy, that we're suffering in some to some degree. Normally, these defilements are so habitual and they arise so frequently and have throughout our life that we almost no longer see them until they get really inflamed and then we see them. But they manifest in very subtle to very gross forms and we just kind of take them for granted. You know, it's just like, well, this is who I am. I'm kind of, you know, it's not just a moment of impatience. It's like, I'm always impatient. Not only am I always impatient, I'm an impatient person. And by the time it gets to that kind of belief or assumption, when you're an impatient person, that's it, final. You know, no good luck. But in fact, it's just a visitor to the mind. It's a frequent visitor to the mind. And that's what confuses us, or that's what deludes us into thinking that they're more real, more mine, more me, than they really are. They arise due to causes and conditions. And if we understand these causes and conditions, we can avoid them, recognize them, not succumb to them. But for the most part, we haven't paid that close enough attention to understand the nature of these developments. When we appropriate them as me, or mine, or who I am, we take a momentary appearance, a momentary visitation to the mind, and solidify it into an identity. And that identity assumes some greater solidity in the mind than a momentary passing thought. It becomes a kind of a structure in the mind through which we you know, see and view and respond to the world. However, we should understand that even though the defilements are like this, that they, they, they are repetitive and they are strong and we do get identified with them, they're not an accident. They arise lawfully due to causes and conditions. And let me just say that one of the causes, or one of the conditions for all defilements to arise is unwise attention. We're not paying careful enough attention. Or we're paying attention in a way that is not very skillful. And because they arise due to the lawful nature of causes and conditions giving rise to effect, they are part of the Dharma. It, 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 it is, or they are, the way it is at times. And they are a natural phenomena. It's not a mistake when any of the defilements arise in the mind. It's not our fault. 
other than that we aren't paying careful attention. And because they are a naturally occurring uh, phenomena in the mind, they can be known by awareness and they can be understood by wisdom. So rather than seeing or treating or assuming that these defilements, the sources of our suffering, are an intractable, unmovable, kind of like genetic uh, element to who I really am, they're just an opportunity to awaken. To awaken to suffering and to become aware of the causes and conditions that give rise to them and to free the mind from their effect through understanding, through the development of wisdom. You know, the Buddha's codification of the way things are, the truth, the first noble truth is the truth of dukkha. And dukkha is suffering. It's pain, it's suffering, it's vulnerability, it's what oppresses us, it's, it's defilements, among other things. And it's said that the first noble truth, the truth of dukkha, is to be investigated. And when defilements arise in the mind causing us some degree of unhappiness or suffering or not uh, being at ease with ourselves. that's where we investigate the first noble truth. And investigate not in order to get rid of, but in order to understand the nature of dukkha, the nature of the defilements. And through that understanding, we will come to be able to recognize them when they arise in the mind, and put them aside temporarily through the continuity of mindfulness and eventually uproot them from the mind when we deeply understand how they work, how they arise in the mind, how they persist in the mind, how they uh, are removed from the mind temporarily or permanently. It's important to recognize the danger of the defilements, just how bad they are, so to speak, because they're the source of suffering. And why are we doing this practice? Most of us, many of us, come to practice because of some unhappiness, some suffering, some some unease in our life, looking for some relief, and we can be sure it's caused by, or conditioned by, some or many of the defilements. Because they are unwholesome mental states, they condition unpleasant effects. Because as we think through the lens of a defilement, that's a karmic act. If we speak the defilement, or if we act on the defilement, then it's even a stronger karmic act. And unwholesome karma conditions, or produces, or results in unpleasant effects. The unpleasant effects of uh, the defilements are felt in the body as discomfort in the body. Stress, pain, uh, 
unpleasantness of one sort or another. It's felt in the mind as you know, agitation, irritation, restlessness, stress. And so when we practice and we feel these kinds of unpleasantness in the body, in the mind, we can have some sense, some understanding that, oh, this is in part the result of former unwholesome karma fueled by the defilements. It's not accidental. It's not because you ate something wrong for lunch. It might be, but it could be other things. An important understanding of the delusion that accompanies the defilements is that delusion causes us to not see sometimes, or ignorance causes us to not see, but delusion causes us to understand things wrongly. And when when that delusion is accompanied by attachment or clinging of some sort, the object that we're clinging to or that we're attached to, and it might be an external object like food, person, accomplishment, achievement, recognition, or it could be an inner object like our sense of self. We can be identified with a sense of ourself, which is just a mental construct, and attachment to that is deluded. When accompanied by attachment, delusion can only see the pleasant aspect of the object of attachment. We don't have a comprehensive view of it. We don't have a comprehensive understanding. We only imagine the good side, the pleasant side. What's good about the object, or the experience, or the person, or the achievement that we are attached to, or that we want, that we desire. On the other hand, when this delusion is accompanied by aversion in some sort, This delusion causes the mind to only see the unpleasant aspect. And so you look at someone that you know when there's desire in the mind and you think, wow, they're so great, they're nice, they're just just perfect, they're just a wonderful person in my life. And then later, when your mind is filled with aversion instead of attachment or desire, you look at the same person you think, jeez, why do they do that? Why are they like that? <laughs> Same person. Our mind's different. And because of the accompanying attachment or version, it causes our mind to see this person in that way. And the amazing thing is, when that's happening, we believe it both times. When we think that they're the greatest person in the world, we believe that. When we think... They're just riddled with things to whine about. We believe that too. Forgetting what we thought yesterday about them. Or it. We are so susceptible to the power of delusion when we don't see it. When we're not practicing awareness. It is as if defilements 
enchant the mind. You know, they cast a magic spell over the mind, causing the mind to create a story about this object that you're looking at. And the dreamlike sequence of the story about this person, this thing, or ourself, whatever, whatever we're defiled about, goes on and on, and we believe it, entangling the mind in all kinds of suffering. Now, awareness or mindfulness is like a searchlight, casting for faults in the clouds of that delusion. Because the delusion is so thick, it's like a shroud over our head. And mindfulness comes on, turns on the light, and kind of pokes holes in that shroud. And that's the way we work with the defilements. Sometimes, you know, I mean, it's so thick. You know, we're just overwhelmed by aversion or fear, frustration, disappointment, self-pity. Take your pick, whatever whatever your default settings are. And even though it is pervasive and it's intense and it's suffering and it feels like who I really am and it feels immobile or immovable, if we can have the courage and if we can remember to just be aware of it, just recognize it. Oh, this is the nature of fear. This is the nature of depression. This is the nature of anxiety. This is the nature of whatever. And you just keep noticing, oh, oh, that's what it is. That's what, it is. That's what this is. That's what this is. It's as if the mindfulness, the awareness, is poking holes in the darkness of the delusion. <clears throat> There's a huge difference between being angry, not knowing that you're angry, not knowing that anger is a defilement, and not knowing that it's unskillful to act on it. And sometimes we are. Sometimes, whatever the defilement is, we don't. We we can we can self self righteously justify our anger or our self pity. I mean. We're very skillful at weaving these narratives that entrap us in suffering. I'm sure you've seen some of them today. You know, all the suffering that you saw today in your life, in your mind, you know, whatever's not right in your life or whatever's not okay in your practice or however, it's just a story. It's a story you're telling yourself today that you believe. That's it. As soon as the story comes to an end, where's that suffering? It's gone. But when it's happening, we believe that story, and then we create this whole project face that we're facing of how to how to how to deal with it, how to solve it, how to get rid of it, how to become a better person, how to whatever, to get away from this well story that we're believing. When we have a little bit of understanding that, oh, these are defilements, whatever is arising that's causing suffering, oh, there's a defilement here. We can be aware that it's, we can know through knowledge that it's an unskillful, unwholesome state of mind. 
But the power of it is so strong, or the habit of it is so, there's so much momentum to it, that we can't put it aside. But we cannot act it out. Sometimes we're not speaking it, we're not, we're not acting it out, but it's just obsessing the mind. And you know what that's like. Just sitting there stewing in your the story of should I, shouldn't I, will I, won't I, I can't stand it. And you know, sometimes we just want to dump that defilement on somebody else. We can just blame somebody and we get rid of it temporarily, or we, we feel some kind of false relief. Or we just uh, suppress it. We just say, not happening. Pretty good at that, too. But what practice asks us to do is to recognize it, to just acknowledge, oh, this is the defilement. This is fear. This is fear. It's okay. It's okay to feel fear. But it takes a lot of courage. It takes a willingness. It takes an understanding that it's a useful thing to do to actually feel fear or to feel shame or to feel humiliation or to feel depressed. I don't mean to be depressed. That's acting it out. But I mean to recognize and to be aware that depression has arisen in the mind. And then to, to view it, to watch it, to observe it, and in, in order to learn from it. And even with the momentum of awareness, when the momentum of awareness is strong, we can keep the defilements at bay for as long as the momentum remains, as long as there is a continuity of recognizing present moment experience, we can keep from getting entangled in the defilement. If there's an occasion for a defilement to arise, it's just seen as a momentary appearance, recognized, and it doesn't take root. But you know how hard it is to establish a continuity of awareness without gaps. So anytime there's a gap in our awareness, one of these defilements can just sprout, take root, and proliferate. That's why we emphasize the importance of continuity in all activities, not just the formal sitting or the formal walking, because, you know, if you're that attentive in the formal sitting and you're that attentive in the formal walking, but you kind of drop your guard when you get up and, you know, go to the toilet or go to the meal or go to the dining room or get, go to bed, get dressed whatever, then the defilements, they'll just wait. You know, they're, they're patient. They'll just wait for you to drop your guard. Then they'll appear. Sprout. That's why I say it out the title of this book. Don't look down on those defilements. They'll, they'll get you. You know, because they're so, um, well, sneaky, if you will. They just wait. They're, they don't have to, they don't have to kind of beat you up or in order to take over. They just wait till you're careless or there's a gap in your awareness. And then they just quite naturally sprout. So, now that we understand something or have heard the information of how to understand the defilements, 
what they are, how bad they are, how to work with them a little bit. Now, how do we establish awareness of them? That's the second yogi job. First, we receive this kind of information, and I've talked about, I've identified, I've named a number of defilements. But let me just say that in um, a book that I and others have been translating from Burmese into English, a, a practice manual, uh, it is said that there's more than a thousand defilements. So, you know, I've only named a dozen or so, so there's a few more. But even with just a few, we've got our hands full, mostly. And having understood or having heard that these experiences are defilements, you know, disdain, cynicism, criticism, judgment, fear, anxiety, panic, depression, despair, frustration, disappointment. There, take your pick. There's others, but that's probably good enough. At least one of them is familiar to you. Um, the challenge, even though we recognize the word and we recognize kind of the meaning, the challenge is to recognize it experientially. And it's amazing how we can be caught and wallowing, obsessed by one of these defilements and not recognize it. I mean, that's delusion. We don't recognize it. We think it's who we are. We think it's how it is. We think we feel justified in thinking this way about someone or ourselves or the situation that we're considering. And we think it's reasonable not recognizing that we're actually suffering. So that the, the, the first step in practice is to develop awareness so that you can recognize when you're suffering. This is investigating the first noble truth again. To really recognize when there's some tension, some stress, some... unpleasantness in the mind, some suffering in the mind, some unhappiness in the mind, some, some place of tension where we just can't be at ease. And as soon as you see that, you can know, this is dukkha, this is the defilement present. So recognizing, recognizing is really the activity of perception. Perception is an activity of mind which takes notice of, or takes note of, and makes, recognizes the mark of distinction. You know, some of the forms of aversion are pretty close. Depression, despair, frustration or disappointment, they're kind of close. But actually, if you heighten, or when mindfulness is heightened, it distinguishes between the subtlest of mental states. It, it recognizes the uniqueness, the unique characteristic of each of these defilements. That's what mindfulness does. Mindfulness, with perception, clear perception, takes notice of the uniqueness of each different kind of experience. And that's what's required in order to begin to identify the defilements, the hindrances, the obstacles, and to distinguish them one from the other. So when we begin to recognize them, the first, often, the first response 
to recognizing that we've been caught or we are caught or we're inflamed with the defilement, often the first response is to beat ourselves up. You know, you know, we get frustrated again or we get disappointed or we pretend that it's not happening or we just try to get rid of it or we feel ashamed or we get anxious about it. So the second step in working with the defilement that is now recognized is to relax. Well, to relax and acknowledge, oh, th- this is the way it is, rather than trying to avoid it, trying to minimize it, trying to you know, kind of squirrel our way out of it, but just kind of a, with a kind of a, a willing acknowledgement of, oh, this, this is what's happening right now. This is, this is what's going on in the mind. And it takes a very um, confident, actually, a confident mind to, or confidence in the mind, to be willing to acknowledge the way things are when there's a defilement present. If the mind is tense, it'll be reactive. And so we emphasize in the practice, relax, relax the body, relax the mind. Because the relaxed mind can see things more clearly. The tense mind is kind of, you know, playing squirrely games, just doesn't want to see things quite the way they are. And so the momentum of clear seeing or clear perception issues from uh, a relaxed, not casual, but a relaxed, non-tense mind, a mind that's willing to experience the present moment. And this is, I mentioned it last night, this is a good question to ask yourself in practice. Am I willing to experience this moment? Am I willing to feel this experience? And sometimes we're not. We just, we know. We're just like, I, I don't, I don't want to. I just don't want to. It's too painful. It's too scary. It's too shameful. It's overwhelming. I don't know what it is, it's confusing. And so that willingness is a mark of the relaxation of the mind. And if the mind isn't relaxed, it's often not willing. This is where Sayadaw Utejaniya says, you know, the mind is not yours, but you're responsible for it. So once a defilement has arisen in the mind, we didn't invite it. We don't want it. We would rather it didn't happen, but it has happened. So it's arisen. We can say, the mind's not mine. <laughs> it just happened. But now that it has arisen in the mind, we have to do something about it. We're responsible for it. We need to take care of it. We need to take care of ourselves in the face of the arising of this defilement. Because if we don't, we know. I mean, it's real suffering. But if we begin to work with it, if we begin to kind of understand it, work to be aware and understand it, then we're doing as best we can with it. In the relaxation around the recognition of a defilement, there's an implicit corollary that we're willing to look at it, that we're not afraid of it, that we have some level of understanding. And 
and just remembering that defilements can be worked with is a skillful thought. And sometimes we need to remind ourselves not to just run away from or try to get rid of the defilements. Because, you know, they're impediments, they're an obstacle, they cause suffering. It's easy to get rid of a defilement, believe me. You know, open your eyes, distract yourself. There, it's gone. But you don't learn anything. The roots of that defilement and the delusion that accompanies that defilement is still embedded in the mind. And so the challenge for us is to be willing to look, to endure, to bear with, and to come to know the defilement more clearly, more intelligently. Often, the impulse is to act out the defilement. You know, you come and you sit down, uh, sleepiness is just kind of tormenting you, you know, it's after lunch, and you're just kind of bobbing and nodding, and you know, now that there's no schedule, you can get up and go take a nap anytime. That's acting out. <laughs> or, you know, you've got some issue with um, someone else in the retreat, or the way they served lunch, or the calories in the brownie, or whatever it is that you've got an issue with, and you're upset, so you write a note. Meta. Stick it on the board. <laughs> it's not meta at all. It's something else. This is acting out. Or, you know, the mind is squirming. You've been sitting for a while. You know, the body's getting uncomfortable. You're kind of wondering when, how when's it going to sitting going to end. You know, it's one of the few sittings that we time, and then someone up here is sitting to ring the bell. And... You know, you want the bell to ring and you just look at your watch. Acting out. Desire. Right? It's so subtle. It's, it seems so normal. It seems so ordinary. It seems like, well, why not? Well, because why not is because as soon as we act out, we strengthen the defilement. So, the third step in working with any defilement is to exercise restraint. I don't mean to get tight and clamp down and just... But I mean to, to to recognize how we act out these defilements in subtle ways. You know, we just adjust our posture because the pain and our aversion to it is, or the discomfort and our aversion to it is intense. And so we just go, oh, we just kind of squirm a little bit and get some relief. That's acting out aversion. Hmm. Okay. Okay. But it seems normal, doesn't it? It's like we're so habituated to doing that so habituated that we don't take the opportunity to actually see the defilement and see the suffering that it's causing us or understand that it's causing us this suffering. And so by exercising restraint, we kind of put a lid on things. You know, we say, okay, I'm, I'm going to look at this. Knowing quite well, if we don't exercise, I mean, if we exercise restraint, things are going to get intense. Because acting them out offers us kind of a doorway of relief. You know, you act out in some way, ah, there. The defilement's not bothering you so much. But as soon as you exercise restraint, it's like, okay, the pressure's on. You know, it's like putting the top on a pressure cooker. And then it gets really intense. One thing that is really helpful at this point in working with the defilements 
is to remind ourselves about the nature of the defilements, to reframe our understanding, because so often we have this kind of assumption that we should just get rid of it in order to get on with our practice. You know. But actually, this is the very place for practice in the experience or with the experience of the defilement. It's not like we're going to kind of wait until all the defilements are gone and then practice and it'll be great. It's like the very experience of the defilement is the place for practicing awareness. And that's why we say it's practice, because it's not easy. We really have to kind of work at it. And reminding ourselves, reframing our experience, this is not... The appearance of a defilement is not a final judgment of how well you're doing with your practice. It's just a momentary appearance. It's not who you really are. It's just a visitor to the mind. And so when we reframe our understanding like that, and that we can work with it, it's an opportunity for awareness rather than an obstacle to awareness, then we can begin to uh, approach it with more... I was going to say humility, but I would say maybe it's more resolve. Like, okay, I can, I'm going to, I'm really going to work with this and try to do it. Again, Utejaniya says, try to recognize that defilements are simply defilements. They're not your defilement. Every time you identify yourself with them or reject them, you're only increasing the strength of the defilement. The wandering mind, that's not the problem. But your belief or your thought that it shouldn't be wandering, that's the problem. Thoughts are just thoughts. Feelings are just feelings. Yogis often make the mistake of expecting or hoping for good experience rather than being willing and trying to work with the defilements. Now I've got a question for you. You know when you were planning to come on this retreat, did you think, oh, I'm going to go to a retreat, I remember, it's so nice, you kind of chill out, calm down, quiet down, relax, kind of open up, really get in touch with the universe, and it's, it's great. I, 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 I need some fuel like that. Or did you think, I'm going to go on retreat, fully expecting seven days of working vigorously with all the defilements. I know it's going to be painful, it's going to be suffering, it's going to be stressful, it's going to be really pain in the pain. But <laughs> that's what I'm going for. Now, which, which, which fantasy do you have in your mind? <laughs> Most of us don't think, oh boy, I'm going to go work hard with my defilements for seven days. Right? And yet, hello. <laughs> I mean, that's what we get. So, like Saito says, yogis often make the mistake of expecting good experiences in practice rather than being willing to work with the defilements. He, does, he then goes on to say, thankfully, that as long as you're aware of the defilements, you're doing well. As long as you're aware of the defilements, you're doing well. That's good enough. You don't have to do any more, so to speak. Awareness itself will reveal what needs to be revealed. So when we recognize the defilement, relax. Don't, 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 don't jump into a panic. With that relaxed mind and a willingness to look, observe, then we reframe our understanding. 
We exercise some restraint first. We don't act it out. And then we reframe our understanding. This is an opportunity to really develop awareness. It's not a judgment of our practice. The fifth step in working with the uh, defilement is to be aware of it. Now, when I say to be aware of it, I mean be willing to feel it. You know, when a, when a defilement arises, it usually arises in a big flurry. It's a big, it's a big storm in the mind. It can be a big emotional storm. And there's the, the narrative. There's the restless mind that's wandering around telling you the story about this defilement. I need this, I want this, I don't like that, oh poor me, da da da, whatever, whatever the narrative is, that's the activity of the restless mind. So take that restless mind and the story of the defilement and just put it over here. Just, just get familiar with it, spend a lot of time, just get really familiar with the whole story and just put it over here. And then there's going to be the sensations that appear in the body conditioned by this state of mind because the mind is a powerful generator of physical sensations. You know, when you feel happy, the body is light. When you feel angry, the body is tight. When you feel bored, the body is vacuous. It's kind of like hard to, hard to find. So the mind, whatever condition the mind is in, or whatever state the mind is in, conditions physical sensations. The physical sensations are not the defilement. They're a result of, or conditioned by, the defilement. So we take uh, and map out the correlates, or the physical correlates of this mental state. You know, where do you feel what in the body? Tightness, vibrating, tense, hot, you know, whatever it is. You take all of that and you put it over here. So you've taken the story, the narrative, the restless mind, you put it on one side, you've taken all of the resultant physical sensations, you put it on the other side. What's left? What's left is the feeling of the defilement itself. The feeling of the, men- the mental feeling of the defilement. That's what you want to get in touch with. Can you feel what this state of mind actually feels like. There's a story that will distract you from it. There's the sensations that will are much stronger and more obvious. And so it takes a little kind of seeing through the fog to actually feel what the mind feels, to know what the mind feels like when this state of mind has arisen, when this defilement has arisen. When we do that, that's awareness. Awareness, I mean, we can be aware of the sensations, we can be aware of the story, that's true. But to be aware of the defilement itself is to be aware of how it feels in the mind. Now, there's an interesting thing that happens. When we get in touch with the feeling in the mind, we understand, oh, this is, this is the nature of this defilement. This is what it feels like. This is frustration. This is what... This is the, the nature of frustration. This is what frustration feels like, or this is what disappointment feels like, or this is what whatever your particular thing is. This is what it feels like. And as awareness observes this feeling, something invaluable happens. We see that 
it doesn't last very long. It does not last. Without the story feeding it, without hanging on to the sensations that are caused by it, the feeling itself does not last very long. It's changing constantly. It might shift and subtle, it might get stronger, it might get weaker, it might just kind of degrade into a milder form of whatever it is that initiated the, uh, the, uh, the awareness. But it's changing. The stories, <laughs> they can go on for, well, just look in your own mind and see how long you've carried on some of the stories in your life. The stories of suffering. Decades. Sometimes we carry stories for decades. Long after the sensations. Long after the actual mental feeling of that defilement has disappeared. The story just keeps going on. And we can reactivate it by indulging in the story. But the feeling itself, it does not last that long. This is insight. This is really getting to see that, wow, the way that these defilements come to an end is not because I get pissed off and get rid of them. It's not. They come to an end by themselves. They arise due to causes and conditions, and those conditions are unstable like everything else. We just have to learn to endure. We have to be willing to endure the feeling of this state of mind. And let me just tell you, they're all unpleasant. They're all unpleasant. Now, is there anybody here that hasn't experienced a lot of unpleasantness today? No. We all, we've all experienced unpleasant, unpleasantness in the body, unpleasantness in the mind, unpleasantness with the weather, the food, what we ate, whatever. We've all experienced a lot of unpleasantness, and yet we're still afraid of unpleasantness. Why is that? Why don't we just say, you know what, life is full of unpleasantness, bring it on. Well, because we're not from Texas, I know. That's why we don't say that. But what we mean is, you know, right? I mean, we know for a fact that we're going to experience unpleasantness. Why don't we welcome it? Why can't we welcome it? Why can't we just say, I know it's coming. Okay, bring it on. Like Robin Williams. You know Robin Williams, the the comedian? You know, he's... He's a character. He's already got his gravestone prepared and in place. And on it, it says, I knew this would happen. <laughs> we should write that on our heart, right on our mind. You know, pain. I knew this would happen. And we're, we're prepared for it. You know, we're not surprised by it. We're not trying to get rid of it. We're not trying to avoid it. We're just saying, oh, yeah, this is my familiar friend. I know there's something to learn here. What? Hmm. You know what? doesn't last that long. But so much of our life is a strategizing, scheming, strategizing uh, project to avoid or get rid of pain, get rid of unpleasantness and discomfort. And we fail miserably. And yet we keep persisting. We would be better off to say, you know what, I haven't succeeded yet after what? 20, 30, 40, some of us, 50, 60, or more years. Give it up. You know, welcome. Welcome it. That attitude, that attitude of mind of being willing to welcome the present moment is liberating because it allows us to see that whatever arises is fleeting and doesn't last. And this is insight. 
awareness leads, or continuity of awareness, the, the, the capacity to be aware in a continuous way, leads to knowledge. And this knowledge leads to insight. And insight leads to liberation. It's so obvious that if we pay attention, we see how things are, we're going to see that things change. When things change, we don't have to get rid of anything. We don't have to get rid of it. We don't have to figure out how to get rid of this frustration, disappointment, anger. We just have to outlast it with our awareness. If our willingness is there, and we feel confident that this is the path of practice, that's why we give talks like this, that's why we encourage you to do it, is to develop or to support your willingness and confidence to practice in this way. Because when we do, we'll see. You know what? Things don't last. That's liberation. That's how the mind is liberated, momentarily or temporarily in, in this case. But every time that we are willing to confront one of the defilements with this kind of willing awareness, we learn and we reinforce a new pathway in the mind. So that instead of acting out the defilements, we learn that there's another way of responding to them rather than reacting to them. And this pathway, this new pathway, while it's hard to forge a new pathway the first time, it's a little easier the second, and it gets progressively easier the more times we're willing and able to to kind of follow through. In time, it becomes the default setting of the mind. Instead of reacting to the defilement with indulgence, we react to or we respond to it with awareness, understanding, and insight. It takes practice, though. It doesn't happen by being with the defilement once or twice or even a dozen times. It may take many, many times. After all, we've had years of unconsciously strengthening these defilements through lack of awareness. So the challenge for us is to arouse the resolve, the energy, the confidence, and the awareness to bear with the defilement for as long as it lasts. There's a... um, there's a, um, there's a dessert for the mind every time we do that. And that is a boost in our confidence. Because all we do is just, just stay there once. Just see through the end of this defilement, the suffering of this defilement once. And you see, when it comes to an end, the mind is so happy. Not because it's gone, but because... The mind knows something. It's wiser. And that wisdom, that awareness and wisdom, brings joy to the mind. Not just because the defilement is gone, but because there's liberation. The mind is liberated with that understanding. That's why Sayadaw says, it's not you who removes the defilement. Wisdom does that job. As long as you are aware of the defilements, Sayadaw says, you're doing well. 
In order to understand the defilements, you have to watch them again and again. What can you gain from just having or expecting good experiences? If you understand the nature of defilements, they will dissolve. Once you're able to handle defilements, good experiences will naturally follow. Naturally follow. Remember, as we continue with our practice this evening, tomorrow, the defilements are an opportunity to awaken awareness and understanding. And it's not you who removes the defilements, but it's wisdom that does the job. When you are continuously aware, wisdom unfolds naturally. Let's sit for a moment and let the words quiet down. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.